emerging talents so that they can, you know, become Black Talent Award winners and finalists and be nominated in the future. And also that these young people can see relatable the world, telling the UK business world that there is black talent in the UK and it's thriving and there is a lot of it. You know, you and the team have created something amazing, you know, something we've never we've never seen before we've never experienced and it was beyond every expectation we had it was the dream it was the dream and and it was that that dream realized and that night i was just like and welcome to everyday leadership a podcast where you get to listen and learn how to lead yourself personally and professionally through the lessons and life experiences my guests share in the hope that it challenges and inspires you to lead yourself from the inside out and not the outside in. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Leadership. And you know I've got another great guest coming to have a great conversation. I'm going to ask my guest today, Denise Myers, to introduce herself. Hi. Hi, everyone. My name is Denise Myers, and I am the founder and CEO of Evenfields Careers and also the founder of the Black Talent Awards. And Denise has been in the game for years. Now, she gave me that low-key, small little intro, yeah. <laughs> but Denise has been in the recruitment game for for 20 plus years recruiting for all kinds of organizations large smes various sectors um she knows what she's talking about when it comes to people people growth getting getting the right people in spaces and places and even some things we're going to talk about today around creating um the black talent awards um finding our own career she is someone who i found very inspirational and i know that as we listen to this conversation you're also going to have the same take on that. And to get us started, let me go back to what was an eight-year-old Denise like? Wow, an eight-year-old Denise was... Uh, do you know what? It's it, you've, You picked a really good age there because a seven-year-old Denise was very different from an eight-year-old Denise for the simple reason, when I was seven, I got to go to Jamaica for the first time. So I, I went with a family member. I didn't go with my parents. I had an older cousin who was going uh, and I couldn't wait. Um, I'll tell you a bit more about that after because I was the youngest and I was spoilt and I wanted to go. So I went and saw where my parents were born and, and just saw it, it was completely different to what the life that the seven-year-old did, you know, that I'd seen previously. So So when I was eight... I would say I was more confident in my in, in, in myself when I came back from that holiday. I went over the Christmas holidays and I came back and I was I was a I was a different student. All of a sudden I, you know, I was able to do my maths, my work. I don't know what kicked in there, whether it was a sense of seeing everybody that looked the same as me everywhere I went in Jamaica it was just it was a it was a it was a brand that minute I stepped off that plane saw the people that were working in the airport the 
drivers, the people in the shop, the post office, the bank, everything. It was it was an amazing experience. So I see, I, see, I think so. A, an eight year old Denise was someone that had realised that there were a lot more people than that looked like her than she than she previously thought. Cheeky as well, I would say probably. <laughs> And spoiled. <laughs> it's interesting how seeing people that look like you in every single area can actually give you that that oomph, that impetus of like, you know what, let me like let me let me do something, let me build, let me grow, because actually I am not the only one, even though obviously you weren't, but that sense of feeling just being back at home in, in the motherland. That's um that's super interesting that you actually got that experience at such a young age. It was um you know and then I think you forget about it. You've just reminded me of that actually because these are things that you forget. But again, that kind of emotion and those feelings came back to me again when I went to stay again with family in New York and again went into the bank. Um, because at that time, you know, I am quite old. At that time. There weren't people that looked like us in the words in, you know, I remember going into my local bank when I first had a bank account. I, there was never anybody that looked like me in, in the bank on the other side of the, let alone a manager. So, you know, when I went to New York and we, you know, went with my auntie to the Chase Bank to change my travellers' jigs, um, there were, you know, there were, there, there were not black people behind the, um, behind the counter and the manager and, and I was like, Never, ever seen it in the UK when when I was a teenager. So so that was a, another experience that I had, you know, and I always used to buy, you know, the Ebony magazines. That's what I used to spend all my money on when I was, when I was a teenager magazine and I discovered Ebony magazine. And that's really, and, you know, seeing black women that were in massive corporations and, and banks and industry and, marketing and PR I was you know I used to devour those magazines when I was when I was young all the outfits the suits and <laughs> I was actually curious about that was when you're reading those magazines did you ever think oh I want to be like this person or that person or did you start to get a sense of what you wanted to become from those magazines at that yeah point in time? that that was my inspiration I wanted to move, you know, I, I was nigh on near moving to America because I, I thought it only happened there. Honestly, when I was in my teens, you know, if I could have left, my, but I just couldn't leave my family. I'm, I, although I have family there, we, we're, I'm that close to my family, my brothers and my sisters and my mum and dad at the time. I, I couldn't, I, you know, I couldn't make that break. But yeah, that's what that's 100% what I wanted and I, I could never see it happening in the UK where I was at that time um, we were nowhere near it so 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 yeah that was what that was my dream I used to sit there reading through those magazines most I, I think I ever read in my life at that time because um, it used to be pages and pages I used to be read devoured it I, I, I did kept them didn't throw them away either you say earlier that you were you were sport you were the youngest how many of you were there six yeah I've got three brothers and two sisters. What was it like growing up as the the youngest child? Do you know what? I I I can't speak for anybody, but it was it was the best. 
absolutely yeah it was it was absolutely it was the, the only person that didn't spoil me i would probably say was my mom i was spoiled my dad spoiled me my brothers and sisters spoiled me and it's you know i think about it now it was it was great they taught me everything and when i think back you know some memories you know my brother taught me how to tie my shoelaces they taught me my timetables they taught me how to tell the time we had an old clock that didn't work and they used to like move the hands around and teach me how to read the time uh, my sister taught me colors and reading because we we do you remember the old catalogs like the burlington catalog and stuff i remember in the summer holidays we used to she, we used to play schools and she'd be the teacher and I had to, she used to say, what colours? We used to go through the carpets at the back. She used to say, what colours that? I knew all my colours. I knew sage. I knew, you know, and everybody knew red, blue, green. I knew, I knew everything. Yeah, my family were excellent. Brothers and sisters taught me everything that I knew. So it's interesting to hear people talk about growing up. Yeah, especially the youngest. Like, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, it was great. I got spot, I got treated. Sometimes it's like, no, it was hard. It was tough because... I was the youngest and everyone was so much, much older than me. But I think there's so much learning around actually what the inputs that our siblings had into us that helped us to see the world differently, that actually helped us to even advance a lot quicker than others around us. And um, I guess I'm curious, how did you, thinking about obviously you growing confidence from a young age, you tapping into those catalogs and all that kind of stuff, why did you decide to move into recruitment? I didn't decide to. It wasn't it wasn't something that I planned. And I think most people will tell you that recruitment is probably not a career that you think, wow, I want to be a recruitment consultant. What usually happens and what I found that happens that used to happen a lot before recruiters started the you know, they changed the game and you had to be a graduate to be a recruiter. But back back then, what usually happened is that you would walk into a recruitment agency, talk about what you wanted to do or your experiences and what you'd done. And if you had a really switched on recruiter, they'd be like, oh, so have you ever thought about recruitment as a career? And you'd go, like, no, not really. <laughs> I've never thought about being... I don't know what it entails. I don't know what you do. So I think that's what happened to me. I walked into, just graduated as a mature student. Uh, so I had work experience behind me. So I walked into there after doing my degree, which was in marketing, but I had done a lot of um, HR modules in, in that. So it's business and marketing. So I'd done marketing and I'd done, ideally I wanted to work in marketing because that's what I'd done before I, I, I went to university. So I wanted to do that and get a career because I, I got to a position which I probably shouldn't have got to uh, without a degree. So I was a marketing assistant, but I knew if I wanted to go to be a marketing manager at that time, I needed a, I definitely needed a degree. So I wanted to move into marketing, but I found the HR modules really interesting at university. So I did a few of those. So I came out and I was torn between doing HR or doing marketing. There wasn't a lot of marketing available in Birmingham. At the time, you, you would have to really move to London to, to, to make it big in marketing then. So so that's what I did. And, you know, and the recruitment consultant was very clever and she kind of said, you know what, you, recruitment, just think of recruitment as a mix between HR and marketing. And I was like, Okay, that's 
that's a, uh, that sounds interesting. So she said, you know, she was going on holiday. She was a perm consultant. She, she was going away for, I think, about a month or so. She said, come and help the temp desk out. And if you like it, when I'm away, and we'll take you on a temporary contract while we're trying to find you something in HR or marketing. So, well, yeah, okay, then. And 20 years later, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm still doing it. I never, I, I, I never went on to do HR or marketing per se. But yeah, I use those skills in, in what I do. Why did you stay? Why did you stay in that world and that field for the last 20 plus years? What is it about it that when you started to do it that you stayed? I realised, and this is going to sound, sound like a, a really bold statement, but I realised that you could go to work and actually enjoy it and love what you're doing. And it wasn't just a job that you went to, uh, you did your job, you went home and you went back the next day. You actually enjoyed it, you loved it. Um, and I think this, the thing that I love about it most is that in recruitment, you can change somebody's whole life by finding them that right job. There's you, there's 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 a lot of a lot of responsibility comes with recruitment. For me, it does because you know you're you're taking if somebody's already got a job, you're taking them out of a a job and putting them into another job another organization another career and it's got it's, it's got to be right and 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 that is your responsibility to make sure that you're you, you're making the right move for that you know these some of these people they have families they're the the sole breadwinner or they're on the, the you know the cusp of a great career there's so much responsibility that comes with it i don't think a lot of people don't understand that responsibility it's not about bums on seats and, and, and money for me it's about yeah it's about money because obviously we want to make money but it's a, it's about that that right fit and not ruining because you can ruin somebody's life by putting them in the in the wrong job or the wrong organization it's it's a big big responsibility I take it as a as a, as a big responsibility when we do that and and you have to be honest and upfront and you have to interrogate the organisation, as well as you're interrogating and interviewing your your candidates, you have to put the same level into both of those to make sure you find that find the right fit. I must admit that sounds um, very different. See, it's that well, when you were talking, I was thinking, well, some of the experiences I had back in the day with with recruiters, and there were some of them where it was never about me being the right fit or person for that organization it was more around the fact that actually if i go in the amount of money i'm earning they earn i think it was 10 15 20 percent or whatever that's what it was about it was literally it was just about the check i uh, was so listening to you describe it and that actually then what this is making sure that both the candidate and the company have that synergy going forward that's a very different approach to what i know a lot of recruiters have taken for me it's been a year since i've dealt with recruiters but it was very, very different to listen to you talk about them and about the way that you approach it. I, yeah, and I suppose it, it's it, it's what you it's it's what you go in there with. And I, I will say, you know, my experience with recruiters wasn't you know, it wasn't it weren't that bad, but it wasn't it wasn't the it wasn't the best when I when I started out. 
in the, in in the game. Um, so when I was looking for work, etc., you know, what it wasn't it wasn't the best experience. But I, I suppose it's it's empathy as well. If you go in there, it's just, and I suppose it's just the person that I I am. You know, I, I couldn't see money above a person. Yes, it's great when you make a placement and you make money. You know, I run a business. That's what we. That's what we do. But it's got to be. It's got to be right. Otherwise, again, reputation. Your reputation is rubbish <laughs> amongst your candidates and your clients, and 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 then you know that affects the way that affects you making money in the future you've got to look at the at the long term and placing great people into great organizations just cements that for you and cements your business going forward as well because everybody trusts you then your candidates trust you and your clients trust you I guess like you said it's also thinking about the long term where it's if I can place someone great in that organization and it works out really, really well, we then develop a relationship and you might become a preferred supplier, for example. And then it's that over time it's ample because it's a supplier rather than thinking about things in, in one up, which sometimes it's easy to think short term rather than think long term. And since you've been been for 20 plus years, as you said, I'm curious, what are some of the, the hard, but I'll say hard but necessary experiences and lessons? that you've learned along the way, either personally or professionally in those last 20 years? The hard lessons. I would say some of the hard lessons that, uh, that, that I've learned in, in recruitment is that not everybody, you know, what people say isn't always uh, what they mean. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's a hard lesson, that everybody's not, not what, the, what, they, what, they, what they're seen to be. Uh, for me, that is, that, that is hard because... You know, with me, what you see is what you get. What I say is what I mean. So that's hard. That is very, very hard that you have to sometimes second guess people. I try not to. I try not to second guess people. I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and believe what they say until they they prove me otherwise. Uh, because otherwise you, you, you just go through life second guessing and, and you know, and like... Did they? What did they mean by that? Or did they really mean this? Or did they mean that? And it's just a lot of wasted effort and energy. So you know, whatever you tell me, I'm going to believe it until you prove me, prove me wrong or or, or different. And I think that that's that's been a, a, a good way to move to move forward because you do you move forward a lot quicker with people because you build that you build that trust quicker. But yeah. I, th- I think that's 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 the, that's the biggest thing that people are not always what they what they seem, um, which is you know that's life I suppose Dis- disappointing sometimes but uh, it's life. Would you say you're a very trusting person? I, I think intuition for me usually serves me right, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll get I get a feeling about people, and if it's a bad you know in 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 um you know our Caribbean background, you know, we say, you know, our parents will say something like, you know, that their, their spirit don't take to somebody. <laughs> you know, um, if I if I put it in their, in their term, they'll say, you know, the spirit don't take them. So that means we don't, there's something about that. You don't know what it is, but there's something about that person. Yeah, you don't, you don't click with, you don't trust. And yeah, that, that's so, so, if I get that feeling, sometimes I, I'll, I'll be a bit wary. I won't be 100% trusting. But again, 
you know, I will give that person always the benefit of the doubt until, you know, I'm either proven right or, or wrong. I will say I have been proven wrong sometimes, but usually that, that instinct really kind of kicks in. Friend of God, go here first before I come back to you. That was the point you made that I really stood out to me. Um, you made the decision to leave general, I'm going to say corporate world, and quit in in 2015, January 2015, so seven years, seven years, seven eight years now um, that it's, it's been. So um, you didn't celebrate your adventure too long ago. Why did you make that decision? Do you know what? It was really, it was a really clear cut decision. Obviously, I'd, I'd made that decision the previous year, but I didn't actually act on it. When I say I didn't act on it, I was acting on it in that time, but I was preparing myself and get myself ready. Yeah, it was, I remember I was outside, we were outside. I worked at the time I worked for a, an apprenticeship provider and I was, somebody was having a cigarette outside and I was chatting to them and our MD, we had three sites. Our MD came pulled up on the he came driving up the, the the driveway, and you know he had a he just had a brand new car, and it was like gliding. It wasn't even driving it; it was gl- brand new Jag, gliding. And I looked and I thought, I paid for that. Seriously, that's what I thought. And I thought, how? When can my life be like that? And I thought, well, as long as I'm employed, it never will be and when I say I paid for it we I was working on on placing uh, apprentices at the time engineering apprentices and I was placing we worked in quarters so I was placing a minimum of 20 a quarter into organizations 20 apprentices per quarter that's seven thousand pounds a time they were getting so that works out of, you know, something like half a million a year. And I was like, when would I ever see that money? And I was, and when I say I was, I was, that was me. And then they had other people do the same job as me. So I was like, when will I ever see that kind of money? Yeah, I was well paid and you got bonuses for what you, for, for you know, for your placement. So very, very well paid. But... I was like, yeah, I'd I'd like to be in that position. I'm I'm not there yet. I'm still driving an old Nissan. Um, what am I driving? I've got forgot what it's called. That old well, Nissan. So I'm I'm driving. It's not an old Nissan actually, but you know, I'm not driving that Jag yet. But that's that was the turning point for me. And I thought, you know what? Now's the time. It was now or never for me. I'd thought about starting my own recruitment agency for for years since I started in recruitment but was like kind of scared of how I'd do it. And, you know, I wasn't scared that I'd be able to make placements, but I was scared about the business side of it and getting myself started. But yeah, so that was the turning point for me. Um, Just thought that, you know, I needed to build something of my own. A switch kind of flipped because um, a lot of times, like I said, we can have the ideas of, I want to do this for myself. But that fear always holds us back. And it seems like there's something around, you had that fear all the way up to that point and you saw the car and some people were like, no, I'm just, <laughs> just going to do this now. Yeah. And I thought, well, what have I, what have I got to, 
to lose because, you know, at the end of the day, I know that I'm good at what I do as a recruiter. I know I'm excellent. So I'm not, I was like thinking, well, if you don't work, I can always go back and be employed. Or that's not, a, you know what I mean? That wasn't a, that wasn't a problem for me. I knew that even if somebody said, well, we're just going to take you on a, yeah, you can work for us, but it's only on, on bonus. You, you get paid on what you fit. I know that I can do it. So, so that wasn't an issue. And I thought, you know what, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go for that because I've got nothing to lose. You know, I made sure. And as I said, I made that decision probably about nine months before I actually handed my notice in. And, and leave everything was prepared everything was ready I had probably about nine six to nine months um money that if I didn't make a placement in nine I could go nine months without making one placement and I'd be we'd be okay as a family and we could live but yeah we made that placement in the in in the in the first I think it was first six weeks I'd had an offer and it was paid within the first first six weeks. So, um, so yeah. So it was went from. I say it's went from strength to strength. There's but there's been, you know, problems and challenges over the over the years. But but yeah, it's. Um, I've never thought, oh, I'm going to give it up. So that's great. I'm curious because when you're talking about trust and people, that's one of the biggest areas when you're an entrepreneur. It's the fact that. People say a lot, but a lot of times they don't come through with it or people can easily let you down and you feel the effects more so when you are, when you're working for yourself, because in bigger company, it's how the company can handle that if someone breaks a promise. But when you're, you're holding things down as a, um, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, when someone breaks a promise or someone doesn't come through, it can have ripple effects. And that's what my curiosity kind of went to, like, how is it that you've been able to handle that element of things? As uh, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, building your your business over the years, with I'm sure people have let you down over over time as well. I think you you've just got to draw from a um, an inner strength and be solutions focused. That's I am solutions focused. Or that I'm always thinking of a way round a problem. If something happens, I'm like right, okay, then how can I? solve this or how can I work around it and I, I, and I think that's a that's a resilience that's inside inside you and inside most people and I would say people of color because we have to overcome barriers and disappointments and letdowns from from day one really you know what it starts when we we start at school we leave the you know the confines of our home and our parents and our family we go out into the big bad world of school and you're on your own in that whether you've got brothers and sisters in the school that's by the by when you're in that classroom you know you're on your own so I, th- I think those disappointments that we've we've had to learn to overcome and the barriers and throughout life uh, really set me up for this to to work around barriers and I think you know having a faith as well you know I know a lot of people don't talk about faith in the work and the career environment but you know it's what makes you who you are sometimes and I think and I think that again I say a quick prayer about everything I'm sending a CV I say a prayer as it's going you know press the send button and I'm saying you know 
Lord, help this one to land right. That's me. That the iron. That's what I do. And I'm not, you know, and I won't say that I don't because I do. I'll go into a meeting. I, you know, that inner, I think, resilience and that faith that um, you've got somebody by your side at all times, uh, for me, uh, works wonders. It's encouraging, isn't it? Just having, having as a... I want to say it as a sort of a backup, as like an armor, like just behind you, holding you down. Like, you know, like, you know what, regardless of what happens, I'm going to be all right, you know. <laughs> and, you know, that's something. And I think that's that that's been instilled in me as a child. And, you know, no, I, I don't go to church every Sunday, you know, and I, I'm not an active member of a church. However, that faith, that belief that I had as a child at a young put has never has never left me and and sometimes i do wonder how people get through life with no belief that there's something or someone out there helping helping you do you know what i mean i i i don't know how i would get through life and some of the things that i've i've been through in life without that understanding and belief and I say understanding because you know it is it's more than for me it's more than a, a belief it's fact um that I I I have something and and that something for me is God that guides me on a on a daily basis and that I can just relax and know that you know a lot of the things that I do I couldn't I you know I know I could never ever do them in my own strength. I could never go and stand up in front of a room full of people and talk about what I do, talk about my business, deliver uh, keynotes. And I couldn't, if I didn't have that faith inside me, I, I know that I, I, I couldn't do any of those things personally. One of the things that you have done and you have created and I guess got put in, in your heart was creating the the Black Talent Awards, which launched last year. And I listen to you talk about being a founder, obviously, you know, your mother as well. You've got a lot on your plate. You're already doing, you're already doing a lot. Um, why did you decide to take this on and put this out there? Because a lot of people tend to see the, I'm going to say the glitz and the glamour of the award ceremony, but the amount of work and time and pulling together different bits and pieces and people, conversations around sponsorship, all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a full-time job in itself. So why did you decide to take this on? If you haven't already, can you please follow the podcast? It really helps us grow and it tells the apps that it's a podcast worth listening to. Which the fact that you're listening to means that it is and other people need to know about it. In Apple Podcast, if you click the three dots in the top right, of your app look for the follow button and click on it and in spotify the follow button should be just below the show's artwork now let's get back into today's episode let me tell you if i'd have known <laughs> the work if i'd have known the work that was involved i, t- I take my hat off to anybody that delivers awards and events year in year out more than one honestly the work 
Lord, I tell you, I'm telling you, the the work is huge, and and I think it was good that we went in, and I say we because it, it's not just me. The idea came from a very very good friend of mine, Joseph Bailey. You know, we sat together, and we, you know, when we set up, when we were setting up Evenfields, he's got a, a business side hustle uh, called Noir that does um, events for black professionals. And, um, you know, we were talking about Evenfields and what he does and we came up, you know, and he was saying, yeah, there's always awards for entrepreneurs and business. But he said, but there's never one for employees. And I was like, yeah, that's actually that that's, you know, and that's when we that's the where the idea came from. And then we brought Cheryl in, who is just amazing, Cheryl Miller. And we, you know, we talked it out, we hashed it out through um, lockdown and decided, you know, what it could look like. But we didn't have anything to... It was going to be a standalone awards and we, you know, we wanted it to have meaning, but it didn't have anything to... We didn't have anything to hang it on. So it, it kind of went quiet for a while on that, we thought. And then Evenfield started Evenfield's Community, which was which is a CIC that focuses on programmes for 18 to... Not 18, probably about 20. Eight, yeah, 18 to um, 30-year-olds, black talent, and we focus on them, employability, and more, more importantly, mindset for overcoming barriers and, and, and planning their careers. So we started some programmes and, and and that's where we thought, right, okay, then this is where this awards can go because it's the missing link to what we were doing so and it's, it was a funding model as well for these programs so we can say right okay the awards will not only be glitz and glamour on the night it's got to have a purpose so the purpose is to bring through emerging talent so that they can you know become black talent award winners and finalists and be nominated in the future and also that these young people can see relatable role models so it's about it would there's several ways that the awards can help future talents so so that was the the reasoning behind it and you know when we look at it now that that was just just a small part to what we've uncovered and it was also don't don't don't, don't get it twisted it was also about telling the 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 the, the, the world telling the uk business world that there is black talent in the UK and it's thriving and there is a lot of it. And, you know, I get the, you know, in recruitment, we get the call. We find it difficult to attract black talent and they're hard to reach and they're this and they're that. And they're there working very, very hard and achieving a lot. For me, it's, um, I think a lot of times people are like, I don't know how I'm going to do something. A lot of times it just starts with actually just starting. Like you said, if you had known what you knew, the amount of work it would take you, that would have stopped you in your tracks. But being able to have a conversation, birth an idea, and even though it went quiet for a while, that wasn't the end of it. And I think there are times when people think, oh, because I've got something right now, it needs to be done right now. Recognizing that there are seasons and times for everything, it's so key and pivotal and how you were able to link what you created in your business with a CIC with the idea that um, you and, and Joe had and Cheryl had and kind of bring all that together. 
and then blow it up into something that was even bigger than what was initially even imagined. That for me is very much around being patient, being patient and recognizing that the Bible says there's a time for everything under the sun. You don't have to rush everything and get it done right now. Like the idea, if it's meant for you, will work as it will work at that right time. And it's been, also I was able to attend um, last year and it was absolutely amazing. It was so well put together, polished, but behind the scenes, it was frantic, but everything came together so well done in a way that I think a lot of times people think, when you think about awards, you think about events, people are like, oh, there's a A plus version. And then when, when black people tend to do stuff, it's the B tech little thing that they do. Then uh, this, this was a fully well-organized event that was professionally done from the, um, the people speaking on stage to the music, to the food, everything just flowed so well. And I want to give you like major props when you got in the night, but you, um, Joe, Cheryl, um, the rest of the team who have done, um, like Lisa, the rest of them have done absolutely amazing. Like, well done for doing this. Like you said, there's so much talent out there. And being able to elevate and promote people in their fields and their careers and for them to feel good about themselves. Like when you were talking, I was thinking back to the same old you <laughs> that went to Jamaica and came back feeling confident. That's the same thing that you're giving back in a completely different arena to the people who come through, the people who are nominated, the people who win awards. That's that confidence you're kind of instilling in them. It's absolutely amazing to see. That was the, the brief. There were three things in the brief uh, and, and and number one was how we wanted people to to feel we wanted people to feel inspired in that if you if, if you weren't up for an award we wanted you to feel inspired and we wanted you to feel that you're not alone that there are other people like you in the business world working hard that was you know that was part that was part the joy we wanted people to feel joy for, for being in that room and, you know, and we 100% delivered. Somebody was saying to me the other day, because we, we just started uh, recording podcasts and they were saying like every time they they looked at me, I was just like in a world of, and, and I was, it was just, I, it was like an out of body experience for me that night because it was, it was, Every, do you know when you dream of something? It was exactly how I'd imagined the joy, the smiles on people's faces, and you know, even if you know people who who didn't win, they were finalists, and the, and the other person won. They was they were just like still so joyous to to be there and and to be a part of it. And you know, we created. You know, people were saying to me on the night, Denise, you know. You and the team have created something amazing, you know, something we've never we've never seen before, we've never experienced. And yeah, it was it it was it it was it was it was out for me. It was it was out of out of this. It was beyond every expectation we had. It was the dream. It was the dream, and and it was that that dream realised. And that night, I was just like, you know, it probably took me about a, a week. I, I did. Do you know what? I say it took me a week to come. I don't think I've come down from it yet because every time I talk about it and every time I see pictures or a video, I just like, 
my smart I just beam my smile just beams when I see photos of that night and people you know the the joy on on other people's faces is you know it, it's something that you can't you can't you, you can't you can't sell you can't buy or you can't sell that that's you know that's something really really deep you know and I absolutely I absolutely love it I'm so glad I didn't know what work was involved <laughs> before we started because maybe you know we wouldn't be we wouldn't have seen that and I think it's all about as well we talk about about doing things for the right reasons and you know the whole team the sponsors the judges uh the you know the youth judges everybody and the people who nominated people because a lot of the people that were nominated honestly you know when we spoke to them and say you know you've been nominated they couldn't believe it. They could not believe that somebody looked at them and nominated them for what they do every day. They don't. They don't see the the greatness in themselves, and 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 that's humbling, really, really humbling. But everybody was in this for the for the right reason. There was no egos. There was. It, it, it's not about money, and I think that's the greatest thing. It's not about nobody gets paid to do nothing. The money goes to emerging talent, new talent, and investing in, you know, making the the awards the best that they can be. And nobody's making a penny. And that's for me. That's the greatest, the greatest, the greatest part of it. Why is um joy so important to you? When you talk about Black Talent Awards, the word that comes to mind is is joy. Um, even some of the from the things you put out, some stuff you write. You focus a lot on on joy. Why is that so important to you? I d- you know what? This podcast is sponsored by Mindset Shift, a leadership development company focused on helping you lead from the inside out, not from the outside in. We work one-on-one with senior leaders in organizations. We work directly with HR and other parts of the organizations to help you create an authentic culture where your words and your values and your actions all align. We help you to navigate the complexity and the chaos that we all experience day in and day out. And we have a couple of openings for the one-to-one coaching this year, but that's something that you're interested in. If you wanna work with a coach, who can help you navigate this year to ensure that you're intentional, to take your leadership skills personally and professionally to the next level. Send me an email at hello at mindsetshift.co.uk or just go to the website www.mindsetshift.co.uk. Now let's get back into today's episode. Joy, for me, um, my life is, is joyful. I've been, I, you know, I feel as though I've been blessed, blessed with amazing parents, blessed with a great family and a great wider family, blessed with my children, uh, blessed with my career. Do you, I just feel as though I've been, I've been blessed all of my, yeah, I, you know, everybody has their, their problems, their challenges that they have to overcome and, you know, sadness and grief and everything else that, that that is what life is is about but i just feel as though i'm grateful for the for the for the life i've had and i know that everybody doesn't 
have that that same life. So I think that's why I am so always happy. Always. And sometimes I think to myself, why are you so happy? <laughs> you know, I'm on my way to work and I'm like in the car and I'm singing. I'm like, Denise, why are you so happy? You know, you've got customers who owe you money and somebody's just dropped out of a job and rah, rah, rah. But you're still happy. And I think that's it. it I don't know. It's just a, an unexplained joy um, that I have and that I, I won't let go of and I won't let circumstances and situations take that away from me because you know it can take it away from from me for a short amount of time you know when you read what's going on in the you know in the newspapers and in the world you can get dragged down by 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 all of that it's possible but you you have to look at you know the higher level and um and things that you're that you're that you're grateful for for me that is i think that's the the reason why and obviously as i said before my faith i think my faith is a source of that of that joy but yeah the, um it's so important to me to be happy and to smile sense of humor i think comes as part of that that joy and i think that's you know caribbeans african we we have that everything is funny <laughs> we can find uh, you know, a joke in 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 any situation, and I and I, and I think again, it's the resilience that that pulls us through. And I must say that the the joy that you have, the joy that you bring, is so infectious. I and mean, if you get around the knees, you're gonna laugh. You're gonna have a good time. You're gonna get some work done. Uh, don't get me wrong, but you're gonna have you're gonna have a good time. And I think. Especially when you look around right now, it's it's great to have that. It's like we know that things aren't great and things are uh, things are dire for some people and everything else like that. But also, there's also a choice that we can choose to make, even in the midst of all of those different things happening around us. And um, choosing the joy for me is such a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. I love seeing people just do that and celebrate that and get other people involved in that, like shifting their their mindsets and their mentality in into that way, into that perspective. If we had so many more people doing that, then the world would be so different. Because we'll still be going through what we're going through, but the approach that we have, we will see it from a completely different lens. Yeah, it, and it's all about perspective, isn't it? It's everything is about how you look at things, how you deal with situations, and how you celebrate the good things as well and, and I think it's all about celebrating the little things as well as the the big things you know I used to last and sometimes you know you know, people used to say you know they used to celebrate you know wait they say things like you know you wake up in the morning that's something to celebrate and, and it is as you get older <laughs> as you get older you realize that to get up in the morning and also to be able to get out of bed without knowing you know all the aches and pains is something to celebrate so, you know, while you got it, you know, you jump, you can jump out of bed without any aches and pains. That's something to celebrate every day. I'm always curious to ask parents. Um, you've got two um, beautiful kids, adults, but I'm going to kids anyway. What have been some of the lessons that being a parent has taught you that's been helpful for you? Being a parent has taught me so many so many so many things you know as i said earlier 
I was the youngest of six children. I was spoilt. Everything was about Denise um, at that point. Quite, you know, I, I would go as far as saying possibly I was quite selfish. And when I had my son, nobody could believe the change in in me. I was fight that. I think that was the first time in my life that I I'd, I would say that I'd ever put somebody first and had that you know that that selfless love uh, that you have for your for your, for your for your child so that was that was one thing that i learned was that selfless love you know when you know people say oh you know what they die for somebody and you know they take a bullet for somebody and i'd be like yeah, really i wouldn't but yeah that i wouldn't think twice i wouldn't bat an eyelid to take pain or, or 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 anything so my children wouldn't have to suffer that so that that was one thing that I learned what was another thing I've, I've learned many 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 lessons but also that you you never stop worrying either about your your children you don't you never stop worrying you will always worry about your children I mean my son is 28 now he's a young black man he has a career he's respectful He's he's brilliant, but um, I know that some people don't see that. All they see is the is the color of his skin. When they see him, that's what they see. And I and I and I fear for him sometimes. You know, he's an engineer and he used to do shifts. And you know, I fear when he's coming home late at night. I fear if he goes out clubbing with his friends or if he goes to another city. I do fear for him because I know that I know what happens and I know what can happen. So so that's that's a big thing. He was stopped by coming back from work um, on his late shift. I think he used to finish about 10.30. Um, stopped by armed police in Birmingham, you know, dragged out of the car and because they, they said the car uh, fit the description of, a, of, a, of a, somebody that they were looking for. But that could have ended... You know, we we see it in the papers that could have ended so 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 differently. So yeah, so fear um, is one thing um, that I on a, on an, on another level um, that I have sometimes for 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 my children, and um, and just to bring the mood up a bit, my daughter <laughs> with her I've learned patience, and also uh, she's a teen now, and the realization of what I must have been like. Uh, she's a she's a mini me. She's my protege. She'll go on to do great things. Quite introverted at the moment, but you know I'm 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 quite happy that she you know she will come into her own sooner or later. But we it's about the foundations. I think that you you lay with children and just be confident in the foundations that you you lay for your children that everything will work out okay in the end. Um, don't give up on them. Always be be there for them, and um, they'll come and just and just keep talk. You know, just keep nagging and keep talking, and they'll come round to 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 our way of thinking in the end. But they have to learn. I know me and Chapeau were talking earlier on about this. It, it's you know, pe- they have to learn themselves in some areas of life. They're not going to take our word for it they they've 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 just got to they've got to find their own way and they will we just need to be confident that they will find that way never easy but that's some great 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 advice and 
guess last question and I'm going to wrap this up with um, that I want to and we have to how do you define leadership? I think leadership is about I've just done a, a leadership program actually but for me personally I think leadership is about what first of all what you do so to be I think to be a good leader you have to be displaying attributes that people will want to follow they'll want to follow and I and I think I think that's that that's a key for leadership is that people want to follow you they don't follow you because you're the boss and you are saying uh what needs to be done they 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 they, they want to follow you uh you don't have to be I don't think you have to be an extrovert for that either you just have to uh, I think to be authentic um, so, so I th- think qualities of it, for me, the leaders that have inspired me have been authentic and they have been honest. That's important, that they're truthful and they, they're honest and they, um, there's nothing worse than a, than, a, than, a, than a leader that's saying this and doing that. That's, a, that's the worst type of you know they can be as inspirational as you like but when they don't follow through on things it's is you know it's a problem and somebody with a vision I think leaders need to have a a vision and a clear vision and to be able to communicate that to their team so that everybody can be on the same page and they can choose whether they want to <laughs> do you know what I mean and, and then you know if you've got somebody who's honest authentic has a vision and can communicate it then your team will choose have got that option to choose well actually no this isn't the organization for me this isn't the manager for me you know my best bet is to move over here or, or to or to do this yeah I think those are the the attributes and that and that's what leadership means to me and that's how I hope that I I lead my team but it, I think the empathy part of it is 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 key you have to understand what makes your team tick and and it's not always going to be the same for each member of the team they could be doing exactly the same job but different they need different lead things in lead. they need different things from you as a leader at the start of the conversation, I said it is someone that I find super inspirational, and you've just had a little taste of why that is. Because the way that she thinks, the way that she approaches things, the joy that she brings for me, it's um, it's brilliant. Even the way that she speaks about her work and the way that she thinks about the people she's recruiting, the company that she's working with, this is the kind of person that you want to connect with kind of person that you want to work with so all the information about even Phil's careers will be available in the show notes there is black talent out there and there's loads more talent out there that Denise can definitely hook you up with and obviously the black talent awards is back this year in September as well um all the nominations and stuff will go out shortly so if you're someone that you're thinking about you're listening to you're like, you know what you want to make them feel good make them feel that way that Denise described Nominate that person when it comes out so you can actually get them to appreciate, be appreciated. Because that's something that I don't think happens a lot. We don't feel seen when we do amazing work, so you can definitely do that. And last but not least, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Denise, for one coming up and just talking and, and, and sharing. And just thank you for just keeping it real. That you really are one of those people who are bent on making a difference and 
you know, just talking about it, you are doing it and you are appreciated. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. I've always been jealous that I've not been invited onto your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, never invited, never asked me to come on this podcast. But yeah, yeah, always great stories, always inspirational people. And I'm just so happy and joyous that you've, you've chosen me to come and talk to you today. It's been a pleasure as always. Always pleasure to be in your company as well and you know if you, if I can be an inspiration to you wow that's just for me that that's 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 amazing so thank you so much thanks for your kind words it's an absolute pleasure this every leadership we'll see you next week while you're still recovering from that amazing conversation let me give you a quick preview of what we got coming up next week make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out career and leadership development coach and uh, and I own the company Rock Career Development and what we focus on is helping athletes and, and transitioning job seekers to translate their existing skills into high paying in-demand careers. So really focusing on that career transition, especially for athletes who may be struggling to find their next career play after sports. So um, so really helping them to understand what their uh, career identity can be afterwards and finding new opportunities.